We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Greetings to those who watch below. Before we start today's video, I'd like to say a very special thank you to Jess Black Curtain, Wicked Witch, Steffi Ray, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, and Ghost City Shelton for being those who dwell below, an exclusive membership to the channel that you can join by checking out the link in the description box below. As we move into a new year, I'd like to start off with a compilation of my favourite subject, that would be Inhuman Entities. These things run an entire gamut, but the one defining factor is that none of them are human, or have ever been human. Plus, it's my birthday today, January 1st, so I'd like to make sure that the video is something that I would personally enjoy to the max. Also, as these videos are from different time periods of the channel, the audio may fluctuate a little bit depending on the microphone and the software that I had at the time. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. The Entity in the Room For some background, I grew up in a religious household, which means my family believes in the supernatural, spirits, angels, God, the devil, we believe it. My parents have told me stories and I have my own stories with dealing with the supernatural growing up. I could see things when I was young, and as I grew up, every now and then, I would see something in the house. I also have stories of sleep paralysis, astral projection, and lucid dreaming. This past Christmas, my then fiancé bought me a huge panda bear that was almost as tall as me. I loved it and slept with it in my bed. After we got married and I moved into his apartment, there wasn't much room for the panda, so we placed it into the storage closet. Now, what happened last Thursday is something that has not happened to me in over a decade. After moving in, I kept feeling weird sleeping in the bedroom, especially when by myself. I always got that strong sensation that something or someone is watching me. I just brushed it off because I figured the feeling was being in a new place. On this night, I was lucid dreaming, which is normal. My husband woke up out of the blue and saw me shaking, as if I was having a seizure. He was going to call 911 when I woke up, sat upright and gasped. I could see a white hooded figure standing over him on the right side of the bed, peeking at us. My heart is bursting out of my chest. It's been a long time since I've seen an entity. He asked what was wrong, and I said that there's something looking at us. He turns to look in front of our bed, where the TV stand is, and he says that it's sitting on the table. Immediately, he grabbed me, and we began to pray in Jesus' name to rebuke whatever spirit it was. It went away, though neither of us could sleep for the rest of the night. We stayed up discussing what he saw and what I saw. 
while I saw a white hooded figure. My husband said that his was a black hooded figure crouching on the table. The next morning, he says, Do you think that the panda has something to do with it? Because I get an eerie feeling walking past it. I tell him I feel the same way whenever I look at it too. Even our dog barks at it and tries to attack it. We contemplated the whole day on whether or not we should throw it out. The following day he goes to work and I'm alone with my dogs. I decide to cleanse the house using the anointing oil my parents gave me and pray. Every time I walk past the closet with the panda and say Jesus, my whole body would get cold and I would have shivers with goosebumps all over. I called my husband and told him what happened and when he came home he threw the panda out. It feels a little better in the apartment, but my parents are supposed to be coming this week to do some more praying and cleansing. Hopefully, they will get rid of whatever spirits are left. My father came over and prayed, and things were much better after that. For almost two weeks, things have been calm. Our upstairs neighbour is a strange woman who never leaves her house and hardly sleeps. I can hear her around 1am moving stuff and walking around every single night. I always get weird vibes from her. So anyway, when my husband first moved in, she gave us some groceries. Fast forward to a few days ago, and she gives us a chew toy and snacks for our dogs. Shortly afterwards, that feeling of being watched returned. And last night, I had just dozed off when I felt the bed shaking. I look at my husband, and he's shaking just as I was in the previous incident. I look over by our closed bedroom door, and this humanoid creature is crawling on the ceiling, trying to hide in the darkness of the corner. It was hard to make out, but I know it was a greyish dark colour and had some type of small horns. I didn't know what to do at this point. I'm not as spiritually strong as my parents, so just praying wouldn't be good enough. I turned on a song called Jesus, Jesus, Jesus and put it on low on repeat, and was able to fall back to sleep. I've long thought that this has had something to do with whatever my neighbour is into. Usually the same time she wakes in the early morning is when I get that eerie feeling of being watched. Goblinoid When my fiancé left his home to be with me seven states away, we lived in one of the rooms of the house that faced the front yard. It was because of this that we were able to witness most of this strange phenomena that keeps happening around my house. It's an experience I wasn't wholly aware of until my fiancé started bringing it up. I'd caught glimpses, little flashes of white in the window, that when I turned to do a double take weren't there anymore. An odd shape, something I couldn't define, hanging around the windows or near the rose bush. Oftentimes I brushed it off as the white picket fence, though rarely did I see this light anywhere near it. Though, as my fiancé settled into the house and began to get accustomed to it, he often commented about seeing flashes of light from the corner of his eyes as well. Once, he could have sworn he saw a pale white face staring in through the window. It was always at night when this happened. One night, as we were coming into the house, my fiancé stopped abruptly and stared into the dark lawn. I stopped, confused, and asked what was wrong. He pointed towards the rose bush, claiming he'd seen 
for one brief second, a small humanoid figure there, watching us, clinging to the crisscrossed wooden screen. He'd been pure white, according to my fiancé, and didn't move. Just one solid pose, and a stare. Creeped out, we both moved inside the house. I didn't feel particularly threatened, just unnerved at the time. Sightings kept occurring now and then, over the past year and a half. We'd always see something move, a light, when no cars were on the road. Perhaps the faintest glimpse of a face-like shape in the window. Eventually, we moved to another room in the house, the largest one. This one can't see the front lawn, so when the sightings of this odd white figure abruptly stopped, due to our relocation, we started to forget about it. We brought some friends to the house as our new roommates, and they took both rooms that could easily see the front lawn. Then, I saw something that made my blood run cold. One of the new roomies hadn't quite moved in yet, so the room was still totally empty. The door was open, the window was dark. I happened to look into the room, to the window. It was too dark to see the fence, and judging by the angles from the hallway, I wouldn't have been able to see it even on a bright sunny day. Just the house beyond it. So normally, this window was solidly black. Not this time. Perhaps I saw it for a nanosecond longer than usual, or it startled me so bad that the sudden burst of adrenaline let me take in more detail. But what I saw wasn't just a regular oval-esque assumption of a face. I saw a broad, round forehead, which tapered into a long, thin chin. I saw sunken in, hollow-looking eyes, dead black. I saw a long, thin nose, and an impossibly huge, toothy grin, the teeth of which I could barely see through the blackness. The rest of this face was a stark white, like porcelain. It looked very much like a goblin, and while it didn't look particularly malicious, which is to say it wasn't glaring angrily at me, I felt my alarm level skyrocket. All this happened within a second or less. I slowed down as I moved past the door, stepped back slowly, and it was gone. Feeling very cold, I quickly hurried back to my fiancé to report what I'd witnessed. Not long afterwards, I picked up a pencil and paper and sketched out what I'd seen as best as I could from my memory and showed it to him. He nodded affirming that it looked a lot like the faint glimpses he himself had seen. I showed this picture to our new roommate as well, when he finally moved in. It was the first day, and I felt urged to warn him. It's been a month or two since, and he has reported already seeing this goblinoid in his window, looking a lot like the sketch I drew. This, I'm not sure is paranoia or otherwise, since he'd already seen my attempt to sketch it, he believes in the paranormal, like my fiancé and I, though none of us in the building seem entirely terrified of these repeated sightings. There have been no scratches on the walls, no footsteps, no bumps. Just this goblin-like figure, smaller than human, that seems to enjoy hanging on the front lawn and grinning at people. The Green Imp this story takes place in 1975. At the time, I was only five years old, but this event has been burned into my memory 
and I don't believe I shall ever forget it. My parents and I had taken a road trip to California to see my mother's aunt and uncle who live in Fresno. This trip crosses long stretches of the Nevada desert and took place sometime in the fall, so it wasn't very hot, but I do remember it being quite warm. Anyway, after our visit was over and we headed back to our home in Salt Lake City, we took a different route that my mum's uncle had said was faster, that we ended up getting very lost. Wandering around Nevada's back roads, it was starting to get late. My parents had been arguing, and I can remember being very hungry. We finally came across a small town, though I'm not really sure it classified as a town. It had a motel, a gas station, a restaurant, and about half a dozen trailer homes, so we stopped for the night. First, we checked into the motel, which only had a basement room available with two double beds in it. We left our suitcases and wandered over to the restaurant to eat. After dinner, my father got directions back to the main highway and we went back to our room for the night. Let me paint a picture of this room. It had no carpeting on the floor, just concrete. The double beds were against one wall with a small window above them. I really can't remember the colour scheme, but I know the bathroom only had a toilet and a sink in it, though I do remember the beds were as hard as rocks and I couldn't get to sleep right away, so to get comfortable, I had a habit of letting my arm hang down the side of the bed. I slept a lot on my stomach as a kid for some reason, though this made it easier to get off to sleep, and I faded away. I was fast asleep when I felt something tug at my arm. We had a dog named Christy, an English setter, who sometimes would tug at my arm when I was sleeping to let me know that she wanted to play. But on this trip, we hadn't brought her along. I mumbled to her to stop and let me sleep. A little while later, I felt the tug again, a little harder this time. It was enough to wake me almost completely. I looked around and didn't see anything, and then put my head back down with my arm on the side again. Moments later, the tug pulled me all the way off of the bed. I landed hard on the floor and started screaming for my mum. My mum jumped up and saw what was happening. This greenish ball of mist, with a sickening bright green glowing centre, had pulled me off the bed and started dragging me across the floor. I can remember being held in a weird vice-like grip, but not being able to see any hands holding on to me. My mum jumped out of bed and ran behind this thing and screamed no. She then slapped it with her hand, which made contact with the thing, and you could hear a loud smacking sound. Once this thing was hit, it let go of my arm and let out a high-pitched scream the like I have never heard before. It started whirling around like a funnel, and then disappeared into the drain that was located in the centre of the floor. My dad had slept through most of this, and hadn't woken up until he heard the thing scream. I ended up sleeping between my parents for the rest of the night, with no further incidents. Not an animal, not a person. In the spring of 2008, my family moved into a townhouse in a quiet cul-de-sac in Centralia, Washington, near Centralia High School and less than 100 yards from the banks of the Chehalis River. My daughters, aged 16 and 12 at the time, 
she had bunk beds in a bedroom that overlooked several neighbours' backyards, the training yard of a dog training facility, and several acres of horse pasture, with a distant view of the back end of Borst Park. My youngest daughter had taken the top bunk, and was next to the window, which at the time had not been given treatments. As soon as the mornings began to get lighter, around about 5am, she complained of seeing four small, dark creatures passing from the garage side of our house, hopping our back fence, and travelling along the neighbour's fence before disappearing around the edge of it. She was insistent that we get window treatments right away, as she felt incapable of not looking at the creatures when she was awakened by their presence. She described them as approximately two to three feet tall, with long arms, travelling at a jog, hunched over. That they frightened her was obvious. I asked her if they physically jumped over our fence, or went through it. She said they physically jumped over the fence, sort of a vaulting motion. I was a bow hunter for a number of years, and I know how to track animals. I checked the lawn for footprints, there were none. I checked the path she described them as taking each day. It's a path that would not have been travelled by anything else, and there should have been obvious signs of passage of creatures such as she described, but there was nothing. Nothing on the fence, nothing in the grass, and the neighbours thought I was crazy for asking if they saw anything. After several more times of seeing these creatures, at the same time each morning, the last creature in line, just before disappearing around the neighbour's fence, would pause and slowly look back up and into our daughter's window, right at her. After the second time this happened, she put a large piece of poster board that had been a science project across the window until we put the blinds and curtains up. I asked why she didn't come to get us or her sister when this would happen. She claimed to be unable to move when she saw them, not scared stiff, but physically unable to move. That was the main crux of what scared her about the encounters. She was also insistent that the creatures didn't have a friendly feel to them. She described them as feeling dark. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My wife, and I and her sister, are the only people she has ever told about these encounters. It's easy for us to believe she was telling the truth, because she has no history of crazy stories with us or her friends. Her fright and insistence on covering the windows were genuine, and she has never changed her story. While she has been happy to forget the whole experience and doesn't like to talk about it, I've been all over the web 
looking for any explanation of what she could have seen. I've already considered and discounted all the indigenous animals in our area, or kids, or prankster midgets, or aliens. Whatever these things are, they are too large for the closest animal they could be, raccoons. They followed the same route each time. They walked on two legs, could hurdle a three-foot fence, and became aware that they were being observed from a window 12 feet up and over 60 yards away from where they would disappear from sight. Nor do any of the alternate explanations adequately explain why my daughter would be wakened by their presence, be forced to observe them, and be unable to move or call out until they were gone from sight. If they had left signs of their passing, I could say that, however far-fetched it might sound, they must be cryptids. But since they left no signs, I am forced to conclude that they must be supernatural, despite the necessity of jumping the fence to go to the neighbor's yard. Imp on the ceiling A few nights ago, I was asleep in bed. My husband and I had been watching TV, winding down from the day. My husband got up to turn off the television, and when he got back in bed, he accidentally woke me up. The TV was already off, so my eyes were already adjusted to the dark room. Fully awake, I see my husband curling up next to me and roll over to give him more room. Now on my back, I look up, and a shock went through me. There, right above my head on the ceiling, was this creature that I can only describe as an imp. It was dark, like a shadow, but had clear, defining lines. It was small, slightly bigger than a cat, and as I realised what I was seeing, it craned its neck, looking down and over its body to look at me. That's when I saw its face. Its head was very round and bald, and had human ears that seemed large for its size and stuck out from the very sides of its head. It had large dark eyes that were completely round and took up most of its face, leaving just a sliver of wrinkled forehead. Its cheeks were wrinkled and slightly sunken, and it had a small human nose. There was a wide mouth, with thin lips and a small chin. It had a small, spider-like body, with six legs, and on the end of each leg was a small gecko-like foot, with three suction cup toes. And though it had a spider-like abdomen, I could see the bones of a human spine protruding from under its skin ending in a small stubby tail. From its reaction, it was surprised, and knew that I had seen it. As soon as it looked at me, it scurried straight across the ceiling away from me and towards the door. It crawled over the doorframe and was gone. As it skittered away, I struggled to reach the light switch by my bed, but by the time I got the light on, it was already gone. Hairy creatures at the door. In my late teens and early twenties, between 1973 and 1974, I saw weird, human-like, hairy hands scrabble beneath the space between the bottom of the kitchen door and the landing 
that led to a partially finished basement in our family home. Both sightings were late afternoon or early evening, when there was still daylight. One incident occurred in midsummer, and the other in early fall. Both events happened in the same way, with sudden loud scratching noises that caught our attention. The first time I saw them, I was with three of my friends, and the next time, with my little brother and three of our cousins. I was always the one to open the door, and it took every last ounce of courage I could muster to do it. Everyone would be screaming and freaking out. I felt compelled to calm them down, despite being terrified myself. Each time I whipped that door open, nothing would be there. The layout of our house is such that the basement door is in the kitchen in front of the kitchen table, where we would be sitting and visiting. In the basement, there were two bedrooms, a bathroom, a bigger room with a ping-pong table in it, and an area for the furnace and water heater and laundry area. We lived in North Battleford, Saskatchewan, which is definitely not a tropical area, so I can't blame monkeys. In fact, Saskatchewan is smack dab in the middle of Canada, and our winters are long and freezing cold. In addition, North Battleford is a very small prairie city without a zoo of any kind, nor are there any nearby, and no one was advertising missing monkeys. Besides, these creatures were witnessed a year apart by different people, so the monkey thing is just not feasible. The hands I saw were small in size, about the size of those belonging to a spider monkey, and covered in a dark, wiry hair. They had long, jointed, humanoid-looking fingers, with human-like, yellowed nails. Their hairy arms were visible from just below the elbow, exposing their forearms and hands. On both occasions, they were stretching beneath the bottom of the door, and scrabbling back and forth, frantically making loud, scratching sounds. There appeared to be at least two of them. Their movements were very fast and very aggressive. They scared the hell out of everyone. We had no evidence of wild animals being in the house, no signs of scat or destruction that would most certainly have been evident had wild animals somehow invaded our premises. Throughout the years, when recounting my story to people, they would brush it off as raccoons in the house. Raccoons would have caused a lot of destruction, and the hands certainly didn't look like raccoon paws. We also had a dog and a cat that lived in the house. They would probably have reacted had wild animals been living there. Both times the event occurred, the dog was at the lake with my parents, but my Siamese cat Jade was home. When these creatures appeared, Jade poked his head into the kitchen to see what all the commotion was, so he couldn't be blamed either. The freaky thing is that these things felt evil. Everyone who saw them agreed on that point. The Hole in My Wall So I've always wondered what it would be like to experience something paranormal. Ever since I heard my brother and cousins talking about a woman they had seen floating through our old apartment when we were younger. They were so freaked out the next day and told my mum and aunt what they saw. A week later my grandpa died, though I'm not sure if it's connected. 
but I was so mad I missed the opportunity to see the lady walking around. But it soon faded. Years passed, and I'm 13 in a four-bedroom house with my mum, dad, and three brothers. I had the smallest room, and developed a bad habit of picking at the walls in my room. So I had all these holes going around the walls of my room that my dad was nice enough to paint beautifully for me. Underneath the walls where I picked were these horizontal wood panels that were probably an inch apart and showed the darkness inside of my wall. Though it didn't bother me. I mean, I'd been picking at these walls little by little for over a year. One day, I'm in my room watching TV, laying on my side, my right hand holding my head up, and I feel a hand placed on my left shoulder. My eyes pop, and I slowly turn around, only to see a hole that I had picked a while ago, with an inch gap. I shake my head, knowing I must have imagined it, and returned to watching television. Not a second later, I feel a hand on my left shoulder once again, but this time, it squeezes it. I felt like the air got sucked out from me. I jumped out of my bed and ran into my brother's room screaming and crying that a hand grabbed me and touched my shoulder in the spot where it happened. It took a while to sleep again in that room. My dad resealed the holes and I never picked at them again. What's currently weird for me, being 25 now, is that every time I lay across a bed and my feet are hanging out, I have to pull them all the way on the bed, because I'm terrified that I might feel a hand clutch my ankle. Night of the Mannequin Driver The year was 1999. I don't remember the month, but it was the beginning of cold, stormy weather. I was living with my parents in Tranquility, California at the time. I was partying with some friends in the town of San Joaquin, which is eight miles away from Tranquility. We were having a good time, and as the party went past midnight, I got into a fight with a guy that was drunk and causing trouble. I had had too much to drink as well, and after they broke us up, I decided it was time for me to go home. I'd come to the party with a friend of mine. We came in his car, and when I went looking for him, I was told he took off earlier with someone, and he didn't tell anyone where he was going or when he was coming back. Well, I didn't want to stick around anymore, so I started getting ready to walk home, using the main highway that connected the two towns. Others tried to persuade me to stay, and wait for my friend to return, but in my state, my mind was made up. I remember it was cold and windy that night, and it wasn't the best decision for me to walk the eight miles home alone, but I figured I would hitchhike, and hopefully somebody would give me a ride. I just wanted to get home and go to sleep so I said my goodbyes and started walking. I was about a third of the way when I realised I had made a mistake. I should have stayed and waited for my lame friend. That's when I saw some headlights coming towards me in the same direction I was walking. I stuck out my thumb and the car drove past me and kept going. Then another car came down the road and did the same thing. It was beginning to get very cold and there were some lightning flashes. I was getting ready to turn around and go back when I saw another car coming down the road. So I stuck out my thumb and it too drove past me. But as soon as it did, the brake lights came on and it pulled over. I started running up to the car 
relieved I was finally going to get a ride and get out of the cold. As I approached the car, the driver's door opened and the driver got out. There was something totally wrong with the way he exited the vehicle. I mean, his body movements were sort of stiff and awkward. When I got closer, I started to say something, when suddenly a bright lightning bolt flashed across the sky. It lit up everything, and I got a good glimpse of the driver. He looked like one of those mannequins you see in the big department stores. A blank facial expression with a slight smile, and the way it was walking. Man, I became so frightened. Then, the passenger door opened, and another occupant stepped out in the same awful manner. I could tell by its silhouette against the headlights shining down the road that it was a female. Another lightning bolt flashed, revealing she too was a dummy. I think I screamed. Then, I ran to the cornfield that was next to the road. The corn was almost six feet tall and had recently been irrigated because I was running in mud that was up to my ankles. I just kept going, not stopping. It was tiring running through that mud and just for a few minutes I did stop to catch my breath. In that moment, I could hear somewhere behind me the cornstalks being rustled. I was beginning to feel lightheaded and dizzy, like I was going to pass out. Then I heard car doors slamming shut and the sound of the car driving away. I didn't go back to the highway. No way. I was too scared. I kept plodding through the cornfield until I came out the other side. That's when I sort of collapsed. I was shaking all over. I stayed there for at least an hour before I headed back to San Joaquin. To this day, when I think back, it could have been someone playing a joke, just to scare people. I don't know. They looked real to me. It was like a nightmare. The Twisted Creature This story took place when I was 17. I was spending the night with my friend, and had no time to shower before leaving my own house. So, I decided to take one at my friend's. It was already night by the time I got to her house. I've always had a feeling of dread anywhere in her house, especially in the bathroom. Now my friend Anna had a glass shower door. You could perfectly see through it at anywhere in the bathroom. I never shut the bathroom door because it had a habit of getting stuck, only on me. I wouldn't open until Anna would force it open. Mind you, there was nothing wrong with this door. I was showering with the door open that night, so it wouldn't get stuck. Anna was sitting in the living room watching TV. The living room is on the other side of the bathroom, so there's no way to see it from the bathroom and vice versa. When I had turned around to face the door, I saw someone standing in the doorway. Something dressed in black. It appeared to be peeking around the corner. So. Thinking Anna was playing a trick on me, I immediately asked, Anna, are you standing in the doorway? She replied, No, I'm in the living room still. I freaked, opened the door to the shower, and saw it. This thing was almost wrapped around the side of the wall, with its head twisted around and pressed to the wall. It was like it had turned its head completely upside down, 
but was standing. It stayed there for a moment, just staring and twisted, until I yelled for Anna. I yelled frantically for her to get into the bathroom, and by the time she got there, it was gone. I didn't see where it went. It just sort of disappeared like it was never there. When Anna got to the bathroom, she looked everywhere for something that may have been giving some sort of reflection, but nothing was found. I finished showering rather quick, and made Anna stay in the doorway until I was done. Also, the front and back door were visible to where Anna was sitting in the living room, so no one was able to sneak past her and into or out of the house without her seeing them. We tried numerous times to duplicate the contortion of the image I had seen, but were unable to. We are not sure what or who it was until this day, and I haven't seen it since then. I am now very uneasy about showering at other people's houses. 1. So, I never believed in the supernatural, until I was like 18, and me and my friends played with a Ouija board. After the ensuing craziness from that episode, I'm a full-on believer. I live in a very rural part of Mississippi. Like, I believe my town has something like 247 people in it. Everybody knows everybody. Weird things have happened before, like animals being slaughtered or going missing, that sort of thing. Naturally, we chalked it up to coyotes or other critters. I'm an avid hunter, so I was heading out to the woods with my bow, a fully decked out Matthew's Creed. I got out a little earlier than usual, so it was still pretty dark. I've never minded the woods before, so all I planned on doing was relaxing in my stand for a while, as I didn't feel like stalking today. It's not too far away from daylight, so the birds and other wildlife are starting to make their morning calls. Usually pretty peaceful, right? I swear to God, in the span of a second, everything in that patch of woods shut up at the exact same time. Dead silence. It didn't even try to be subtle. That alone scared the piss out of me. So naturally, my scared self froze, and just listened for anything. My first thought was, oh shit, something's out here with me, which freaked me out even more. I started to think maybe it was a bear or a bobcat, which I was still terrified to meet up with, but at least it gave me a logical answer. I figured I could hear a bear coming, but I knew big cats were renowned for stalking people without their knowing, which scared the daylight out of me. I decided to keep moving towards my stand, post up, and just point my bow down the tree. After what seemed like forever, I freaking made it. I shuffled up the stand, pulled out my knife, just in case, and listened. Dawn was definitely breaking now, which made me feel better. There were still no sounds of wildlife, which was getting more and more eerie. Now, my stand is perched on the side of a creek. The creek wasn't very deep, like maybe to the top of your ankle. About the only sound I could hear was the slight noise of the running water. Then, I hear something to my right, and it's running fast. I instantly raise my bow and wait, shitting my pants, 
It's getting louder and louder, closer as well. I almost screamed when I saw this bastard. It literally looked like something out of dog soldiers, only more muscular. This thing busted through the brush, ran down the slope and through the creek, and then disappeared on the other side. I've seen some shit, let me tell you, but I was shaking like a newborn babe. I didn't ease off my drawstring for like 10 minutes, which is a long time to hold a bow by the way. I mean, this thing was huge, like six and a half to seven and a half foot, 250 pounds of no. And I've seen bears in the light before. They do not run like that. After that, the sun really started to show and the birds started chirping. I'd calmed myself down, so I noped out of there in a hurry. While I was terrified at the time, it's definitely one of my coolest memories to look back upon. Though I'm just going to move my stand and hunt elsewhere now. 2. This incident happened to my husband a long time ago, before he met me. This story is unusual for him. Because he's from a small city in Nicaragua, and grew up hearing stories about supernatural beings such as the Chupacabra and La Llorona. However, with a civil war going on around him, he became very aware of danger from living people, and was less concerned with the otherworldly. As a result, he generally gives little thought to the supernatural. During the summer breaks at college, he would work his stepfather's land in the north of the country, tending the animals and mending fences. He enjoyed the physical work, and the extra cash he earned for the upcoming semester. One evening, just after sunset, he was finishing up some work alone and gathering up his tools to go back to the house, when, from the darkness of trees and brush, a white dog emerged, wagging its tail and walking up to Ramon. The dog acted happy and playful. It was a medium-sized dog, nothing remarkable about it except its colour, which in the glow of Ramon's light seemed to be all white. Ramon, an animal lover, patted the dog on the head, roughed up its fur along its back, and then found a small stick to toss for it. As the dog trotted for the stick that lay about 30 feet away in the dark, Ramon noticed that even though the dog was walking away from him, it seemed to be growing in size. By the time the dog reached the stick, it looked to be about at least a foot or two taller. It was larger than a greyhound, about the size of a small donkey. The dog happily returned with the stick, wagging its tail with a playful demeanour, but seeming to shrink as it approached him and was normal-sized again. My husband felt something strange was definitely going on, so he gestured to the dog to go away, told him to get out of there, to go home. The dog trotted back into the darkness, growing in size again, but was soon out of sight. When Ramon returned to the house, he asked the other farmhands if anybody had a white dog, saying it was running loose on the property. The farmhand said that no one had a light-coloured dog, at least no one they knew, and no one had seen a loose dog either. He told them about his encounter, and they told him that it sounds like he was blessed with a visit from the Cadejo. In Nicaragua, 
A white Kadejo is considered good luck, or at least a neutral encounter. A black Kadejo is bad luck, and may even attack you and hurt or kill you. Sometimes Kadejos are described as having horns or other non-canine features. Ramon saw no horns, but has no explanation on how the animal could change in size so obviously. He believes that what he saw on his stepdad's land was a Kadejo, that he knew in his gut that this was no normal dog. He was out on the property, far from anything reflective that would skew his perspective. He did make inquiries with the neighbours about dogs that could match the description, but no one came forward with any known dog of that colouring in the area. He's just grateful that it was a white Kadejo. 3. I used to work nights in a nightclub in Perth, Western Australia, and on my way home, I had to walk through a large park called Hyde Park. Hyde Park had concrete paths lined with huge Morgan Bay fig trees. They are massive trees with large roots, big enough to sit on. One night, I was walking along one of the paths, when I noticed that the roots of one tree were shaped like a person. I thought it was cool, and when I got close, I knelt down to have a better look. As I bent down, the figure in the tree turned and looked up at me. I think it was a he. I'm not 100% sure, though. He was nestled in the roots of the tree, and sort of appeared to be a part of it. He was kind of wet-looking. He was kind of wet-looking. At first I thought he was the victim of a mugging, and I started to ask if he was alright. But before I could get the words out, I realised that he was not human. He had big, almond-shaped eyes. They were cat-like. I guess he looked like a picture of your typical demon, or a grey alien. He had very kind eyes, though, and I wished I'd stayed to talk, but I was so freaked out that I ran without looking back. The next day, I went back to look at the tree, and there was nothing resembling a person at all. It would be kind of a relief to me if I could write the experience off as a trick of the light or something, but I trust my senses. I've seen a few strange things in that park, but that was by far the scariest. 4. It was early morning, between half 5 and 6am. I awoke to a bright sunny end of July day. The sunlight was streaming in through the open curtains. I had been in a deep sleep, as we'd only gone to bed a couple of hours before, though I had time to open my eyes and catch my bearings. I was laying on my back, with my right arm stretched all the way out so it was hanging off the bed. My boyfriend was sound asleep next to me. I hadn't even had time to move, and in that split second, I had been awakened. I was just starting to wonder why I was awake, when my body stiffened, and every hair stood on end. The only thing I had time to move were my eyes. They were as wide as they could possibly be. It flew in through the window, and although I couldn't physically see this creature, it was clear as day in my mind's eye. It was more grey than black, reptilian with a long triangular face, a long graceful body, black slitted eyes, 
two wings, and a forked tail that was about the length of its body. Its wings were not fully outstretched, as if it was gliding on whatever current of air it had caught. I can still hear the eerie stillness of its passing. As it flew in through the window, it lost altitude as it passed over our bed. The very tip of its tail brushed my still outstretched fingertips, and it continued its flight path until just as fast as it had appeared, it was gone through the wall of the open closet. Throughout this whole event, my eyes were following it. Throughout this whole event, my eyes following it were the only things that moved. As I lay there in complete shock, I only had time to look over to my boyfriend, who woke up to see my still wide open, shocked eyes. He drowsily smiled and asked me what was wrong. Quickly, I recovered, smiled and lied, telling him nothing was wrong. We hadn't known each other for very long, and I didn't want him to think I was crazy. What I saw left me feeling startled and amazed. I knew it wasn't interested in us. It wasn't malevolent. It was an ancient power that just happened to cross paths with me. I don't know how I knew this, I just did. We only stayed in that apartment for another month, leaving at the end of the summer. Nothing else happened, and I only told one of my friends. She had grown up in the town where the apartment was, and has heard stories of other things happening. The town is really close to Native American reservations, and before it was settled, the area was inhabited by Native Americans for thousands of years. I don't know any of the natives' history or folklore, but years later, my family and I went to a hot springs about ten hours away. The Americans believed that the hot springs were caused by dragon's tears. Hearing this story many years after what I saw turned me into a believer, and I was able to put a name to it. I most definitely saw a dragon. I have seen pictures that were similar to what I saw, but people always liken them as demonic. I always had a hard time labelling what I saw as demonic, because its energy was anything but. 5. I have been an over-the-road truck driver on and off for 20 years and have seen lots of things out there on the road that are hard to believe. This is just one of them. I drive mostly at night, because it makes my job easier. Traffic is nowhere near as bad at night as it is in the daytime. I was driving down a lonely part of Interstate one night. This is an interstate where there's not much traffic in the daytime, let alone at 2.30 in the morning. Anyway, I was running down the interstate and caught some movement on the side of the road right next to the wood line. I was thinking maybe it was somebody in need of help, so I slowed as I approached. The closer I got to it, the more I could tell that it wasn't a person, but what I perceived to be an animal. I slowed and hit my four-way flashes and pulled over into the emergency lane. Now, you have to keep in mind that I'm an avid outdoorsman and hunter. I've killed deer, black bears, wild hog, elk, and even seen moose, cougars, and grizzlies. But what I saw here was none of that. I'm not going to put a label on it, because I don't know what it was. 
About the time that I got within a couple of hundred feet of it, I hit my high beams. It was about five to six foot tall. Not huge, but big. Its eyes shone a yellowish green in my headlights. It was hairy, but had bare spots on it, and was standing on two legs, not all fours. Now, I know what most of you are thinking, that this is a Sasquatch. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I don't know what it was. While in my headlights, it put its arm up to block out the light. It was bare around its armpits, and you could see through some of its hair to the skin below it, which was a dark skin. And what I saw of its face was like a cross between human and animal. I watched it for about three minutes, until it wandered beyond the tree line on two legs, and disappeared. Number one. It was rural northern Wisconsin, and I was 14. Up until that day, I had zero fear of the woods. I spent most of my time out there exploring and feared nothing. My parents had a lousy marriage, and fought a lot, and I felt more at home outside than in the house. On hot nights, I'd even take a sleeping bag and sleep on the roof of an old shack on our property. I saw bears, I saw wolves. They were always more afraid of me than me them. I didn't believe in ghosts, or Bigfoots, demons, or even God. I only got lost out there once, when it fell dark sooner than I expected. I stayed calm, found the North Star, and I knew that if I continued south, I'd eventually come across the old railroad tracks near my house. Even the thought of spending the night out there didn't bother me. The thought of my mum's rage when I didn't come home did. So it was summer. I'd just turned 14. My mum had left my father. Father worked all the time. Sister was living on her own. Once school was out, it was me and my cat, and this was before the internet or smartphones. We lived on a dead-end dirt road, and around noon I took my usual stroll down the long driveway to check the mail. My cat followed me everywhere, and I actually kind of relied on him to give me a heads up if there was a bear or something close by. A bit of movement behind me as I stood at the mailbox made me aware there was something across the road in the trees, but there were pesky deer everywhere. I heard a loud crash then, like something very loudly making its way through the brush. It's like every classic horror story. My brain had no capability for the thought of anything paranormal or spooky. I simply tucked the mail under my arm and headed into the woods to investigate. My cat followed close behind. I got about ten yards in when I noticed what I hadn't noticed before. There was no noise. Nothing. It was a beautiful June day, and there wasn't a single bird singing, no insects, no leaves rustling. It was absolutely silent. At the same time I registered the silence, I got that eerie feeling that something was watching me. Hunters will know what I'm talking about when I say you look for the shape of a deer instead of trying to pinpoint them by colour. That's when I spotted it. Two brown furry legs. The top of it concealed by tree branches. I went to sigh with relief when my cat hissed. I looked down and he was completely poofed out with his back arched, looking at the same thing I was. I looked back up and the legs moved. Not like a deer, like a human. Everything happened at once after that. I dropped the mail, 
picked up my cat by the scruff and ran for it. Whatever was out there with me was running after me. I've never ran so fast in my life. I tore up the driveway, into the house, locked the door and grabbed the phone. I called my next door neighbour who was the ex-chief of police and he came over immediately with his pistol. He checked out the spot I was in and found nothing. I was so hysterical I was in tears. He stayed with me until I was able to reach my mum and have her come get me. Of course, they thought I was completely high or delusional. I know exactly what I saw and felt. It was broad daylight. I never felt safe in those woods again and stopped sleeping outside. Number 2 I used to work in a cheese factory on the edge of a cornfield in southwestern Minnesota. There were a series of days in the summer of 04 or 05 where it was so hot that the milk being delivered to us in trucks would evaporate before we got it. It made work easy. The dearth of milk denied us any actual labour. But management wouldn't let us not come to work, so we would show up and mess around all shift. I was working nights at the time. It was about 2 or 3 a.m. and I was out on the loading dock watching bats fly around the floodlights because I liked being out in the cool night air. The corn was about as high as my shoulder, so about 5 foot 10. As I was watching the bats, I looked down at the edge of the cornfield. Something was moving there. It was the size of a small child and very, very skinny. It was pale, with something that looked like a head of straight black hair. It moved in a sort of jerky gait, like someone dancing the robot badly. It moved in chunks. Legs, then hips, then torso, shoulders, neck, and finally the head. It was looking back into the cornfield, or at least I felt like it was. I felt prickly all over. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a heron or something at first, but it looked too much like a person. It didn't move like a person, though. Gradually, step by step, it moved toward me. Letting my curiosity better my fear, I moved toward the edge of the dock, which was raised a few feet off the ground. When I got within a few feet of the edge, the thing looked at me. I was paralysed. I could have run, but I was stuck somewhere between terrified and intrigued. It moved, its face still pointed at me. It ratcheted its body in that disconcerting, jerky movement towards the cornfield and went into it. I tried to watch where the field moved as it passed, but the corn remained perfectly still. I noticed that all the crickets were silent. After a few minutes, nothing happened. I stood out there for an hour, but it never came back, and I never saw it again. Number 3 Working as a police motorway patrol woman in Portsmouth, England, I'm frequently confronted with situations that are both bizarre and unnerving. However, the incident that occurred on the 25th of November last year is by far the most unusual of them all. During a routine speed camera set up in the city around half past six, at which time it was completely dark, our speed trap began picking up random tracings of non-existent objects hurtling past at about 30 to 40 miles per hour. The devices are not actually known to malfunction, so we trained the camera on the road surface to see what we picked up, 
Sitting in the back of the patrol van, we were shocked to discover on the screen that the camera was picking up what can only be described as human figures, running up and down the street, approximately 40 foot away from the vehicle, only barely visible through the night vision filter. They were of an average height, had a silvery hue, and were sprinting up and down the central reservation, repeatedly and very fast. I admit I did not exit the vehicle to investigate, but apparently I didn't have to. About 10 foot away, at the side of the road, one of these silvery entities just appeared on the screen. She was female, approximately 6 foot tall, and standing motionless, facing away from the van. She was dressed in scantily clad clothing, not unlike what a young woman on an evening out may wear. I was extremely freaked out especially considering that after leaning out of the window, there was absolutely no evidence of anyone standing that close to the vehicle. As a car drove past, only five minutes from the first sighting, all visible evidence of the entities vanished. Nothing occurred from that time till the end of my duty at 9pm. And yet, when I played back the footage from the camera, the silvery objects and the woman weren't on the tape. Obviously, I didn't report the incident, but friends and fellow officers agreed that it was highly unusual, and none of them had experienced anything of the like before. Number 4 I live in Australia and Melbourne, on the beautiful Mornington Peninsula. It's summer here at the moment, so the days are mostly hot and bright. I was driving to work on Tuesday the 8th of February at around 8am. I stopped at a local supermarket to grab something for lunch, and so took a different route to what I would normally take. I left the shops, and made my way through some back streets, and was approaching a small Anglican church on my left-hand side. As I was getting closer, I saw a very tall, black thing emerge from the church entrance, and quickly dart across the grass on the church grounds heading toward the road. My instinct was to slow down, as I expected it to cross in front of my car. I watched it move very quickly, taking long, strange strides across the grass. It reached the end of the church grounds, about to step onto the road, and then just vanished into thin air. It was very tall and thin, with a small head. It was jet black, with no features. It had no arms that I can recall, and as I was driving away in shock, all I could think was, what the heck was that thing with the scissor legs? It then dawned on me that it had no knees and was moving very quickly with straight scissor-like legs. I kept looking in my rearview mirror as I was driving up the road, completely confused as to what this thing was and where it went. A minute up the road, I began to feel very nauseous to the point that I thought I would have to pull over and vomit. I've had a few experiences in my life that have made me feel very nervous and uneasy, but nothing has ever made me feel like I want to be physically sick before. Thankfully, the feeling passed as I got further away. I've been thinking about it all morning, and I've no idea what I encountered. Was it a ghost? Or was it something else? Number 5 have you ever seen something so far outside your everyday experiences 
that you are at a loss to explain what you saw. What follows is the true story of an extraordinary counter in an urban surrounding. In the early hours of a weekday morning, I was living in London as a student, way back in the early 1990s. I was walking back from a friend's house, where another friend and myself had spent the whole night talking and revising with a group of other people. No drugs or alcohol had been involved other than coffee. My friend lived some way away, so I'd offered to let her crash over at my place. Dawn was just breaking as we turned onto my street. We were very tired and didn't say much to each other, until I spotted a man walking towards us on the same path, some distance away. I didn't think anything of it. In a city like London, people are up and about at all hours, and besides, weren't we? He could have been a milkman, a bin man, or a night shift worker headed home. We walked towards the man, and he walked towards us. My home was between us. I began to feel uneasy, and I still, to this day, don't know why I said what I did, but I turned to my friend Sue, and the following conversation took place in whispers. Sue, see that man? Yes. Well, this is going to sound weird. He isn't a man, is he? No. Did I just say that? You did. And he isn't. The figure we had taken to be a man had changed. It was as if a glamour had been lifted. What we saw was humanoid in shape, about five feet tall, with very long arms and short legs. It was a black silhouette, very thin looking. I've often described it to being similar to the stick man that's often used on bathroom doors to tell you if you're entering a men's room. And when I say black, I mean black. No light, no shade, nothing but a void. It was as if somebody had taken a cookie cutter and had shaped a hole in reality in the shape of something almost, but not quite human. The creature seemed to be, well, I've used the word lolloping before now, which isn't really a word, but denotes the dancing jolly steps it was taking as it walked. It stopped. Both Sue and I felt the creature had realised we could see it for what it really was, rather than what we were supposed to see. It turned, or seemed to turn, ever so slightly, and it was then we could see the creature wasn't three-dimensional. It was flat. So much so, that turning made parts of it vanish from our eyes, until it turned back to fully face us once more. We freaked. We ran without discussion. I got my key out, and fumbled with the front door of my home, which was a big Victorian house converted into flats. I lived on the middle floor. Sue behind me urged me to hurry. We were both terrified. I got the door unlocked. We dashed inside, closed and locked it again. We ran up the stairs and hid around the corner, like little children peeping at the big front door, which had two big glass panels through which we could see the front garden. The black stick man approached the door, and we could see its dark shape pressing up against the glass. Neither of us breathed. The creature looked. I say looked. It had no eyes. Through first one pane, and then the other, 
They'd waited for what felt like an eternity before vanishing. One second it was there, the next it wasn't. It was a few minutes before either Sue or I could find the will to move and get ourselves into my living room to discuss what we had seen. We knew whatever it was, it was alien, either from up there or sideways, but definitely not of the world that we knew and felt comfortable with. I never want to see this creature again, whatever dimensions it came from, I hope I never find myself walking into them. My belief as to what it was has come to me over a decade. It was no spaceman. It was closer in behaviour and perceived threat to those goblins and elves of folklore than any little green man. Where was the spaceship? There was none. Besides, parking in London is always a bitch. Seriously though, the shape of its outline whenever I draw it, its long arms, its oval head, its short legs, always makes people think of shows like The X-Files, or the film about Whitley Stryber and his encounters with aliens, Communion. Ultimately, I don't know what we saw, Man from Mars or Interdimensional Pixie, but I do most sincerely hope none of you ever encounter this creature, or if you do, never do so alone. Nine. I'd like to say that I'm pretty disturbed about my subject, and since the internet has come about, I've been looking for some kind of answer to explain what I saw, and to this day, no one seems to have an answer. I see that some people have seen almost exactly what I saw, but this is where the experience ends. No answers. I grew up in southern New Jersey, about three miles or so from Fort Dix Army Base in the 70s, in a small town. Growing up here, everyone around knew that the woods here were very scary, and more so at night. As a kid, my friends and I were always running through the woods or driving down the dark dirt roads to the Pine Barrens, and it became almost normal to hear that someone heard or saw something unexplainable. I heard many stories from people, but I never saw anything until... It was around 1978 and I was 10 years old. During the summer, my best friend at the time and I came to my house after running around outside, and it was already dark out, probably about 9pm. My friend lived right next door to me, and our houses were up against the woods in the backyards. After playing, we went to my backyard and sat on the deck with our feet hanging over the side, and was small-talking, because it was time for him to go home soon. As we were sitting in the dark, I happened to look over to my right, say the one or two o'clock position, and to my surprise, I saw two large, glowing red eyes staring straight back at us. Now these eyes were about eight or so feet high from the ground, and not a normal height for a person. The second thing, these eyes were large. I would say they seemed to be the size of a tennis ball, and that was from a distance of around 30 yards. I can best describe the colour as the same colour as a brake light from a car, the same type of glow. It also looked like there was a small black pupil in the middle. Whatever this was, it didn't move at all, and made itself very obvious the way it was just staring at us. Another thing I noticed is that I could see no body and no face. There was no outline at all. It was very dark. This thing was standing right at the edge of the tree line and my backyard. So, 
as I glanced over and saw this, I became very scared, and my reaction was to swing my left arm and hit my friend to get his attention and point to the obvious. I was so scared I didn't speak, just reacted. This entire moment was literally only a few seconds. As my friend saw this, we both shot up and ran as fast as we could into my house. When we got inside, we went straight up to the back window and saw these eyes leaving through the woods like it was running, and you could see the eyes going in a flowing motion up and down like it was flying, but the woods were too thick for that. What I saw was not human and huge, and I'm now 50 years old and believe I will never know what the hell this was. Is it possible that I saw a gargoyle by Full Metal Rabot? When I was a kid in the early 90s, my parents moved us from a city in southern Wisconsin to a dinky rural town in central Wisconsin. I wasn't a huge fan of the move since I loved the city, but we had no option as our landlord was kicking us out. And my dad had found a house that was close to his hunting spot and offered him the chance to finally be a homeowner and never worry about renting again. Anyway, fast forward to the early 2000s when I was a teenager, and that's when I saw what I can only describe as a gargoyle. I was a night owl, so staying up during the night was nothing new for me. I'd usually stay up watching TV or playing a game in my room during the night. My bedroom was on the second floor and only had one window. The window gave me a view of the roof to the living room in the backyard. We had a security light put in the backyard because we had trouble with people coming onto our property, so the light lit up the yard and the whole back of the house. One summer night, I was in my room watching TV, and I was going to move from a sitting position to a laying down one on my bed. My bed was sideways up against the wall that had the window, and the end of my bed was right next to the edge of the window. I could always get a good look out that window when I was laying down. so. As I go to lay down on my bed with my head facing the direction of the window, I noticed something very unusual that was perched on the corner of our roof that I could see from my window, watching over our backyard. I didn't get a creeped out feeling from it. I actually felt very calm and peaceful, but there was a sense of shock from seeing it. The creature had grey skin, a rounded head with no hair, no hair anywhere on the body and the wings looked to be of medium size, with lighter grey feathers on them. The body was skinny. I didn't really get to look at the arms, as the wings were blocking them from my view, but the legs didn't look very long or short. I also didn't see eyes or any facial features, as the wings kept them hidden too. I could only see the top part of the head poking up above the wings. Had the creature been standing up, it wouldn't have been much taller than me, and I'm 5'2". I also had my window open that night to feel cool air. The creature made no sounds at all. I didn't notice any strange smell coming from it either. I've no idea how long it stayed there, as I got bored watching it and went back to watching my movie. I never saw it again after that night though. I don't know if it's related, but when it started getting light the next morning, there was a high-pitched radio frequency sound that was blasting outside. I could hear it coming in through my bedroom window. It was so weird and loud. I couldn't pinpoint a direction that it was coming from either, and I really tried. I don't know if anyone else heard it, 
I didn't really want to ask around and sound crazy. Another detail that might be related, but again, I'm not sure, is my house was only a few miles away from a bombing range where the military does a lot of practice with jets of all types. Also, I've researched Mothman, but every image of his description that I've seen looked nothing like what I saw that night. Nothing bad happened after the sighting either, and I know Mothman is supposed to be a warning of something bad about to happen. Cat-like Humanoid by Solvig I've always hoped that I might get a glimpse of the others, those beings from fable and fairy tales of my childhood. Call them fairies, pixies, fae, elves or whatever. They are around, and I was lucky enough to get a peek. This incident happened about ten years ago, and every word is truth as I recall it. It's not something easily forgotten. I was living in my grandparents' home after they had both passed on. Having grown up there, I was infinitely familiar with the house, surrounding area, and all the indigenous critters thereabouts. But I have never seen anything like this. It was early morning, just before sunrise, just light enough to see outside. The TV was on, catching morning news before going to work. Everything was completely normal. I could hear the kids getting ready for school down the hall from my room. My boyfriend and I were chatting about something irrelevant. He was standing a few feet from the window, facing me. I turned to face him as we talked, and a movement outside the window caught my attention. I stopped talking mid-sentence. There was something outside that window. It had a face. I couldn't quite make it out in the dim light. I moved close to the window and it was moving too. It was low. I bent over. At first, I thought I was seeing a reflection in the glass. As I focused, what I saw made me make a sound I have never heard come from my mouth before. Something between a gasp and a muffled scream, and I felt weak in the knees. It was close to the house, maybe a foot outside the window, leaving three or four feet between us. I couldn't make out the body well. His skin was bluish-grey, just like the early morning light surrounding him, so much so that he seemed to sort of melt into it on the edges. But his face was clear, and he was leaning in toward me curiously for a better look. I say he, because it was most definitely male. He had a round head with a shank of dark, messy hair that reminded me of a character from an anime cartoon. His large, cat-like eyes took up most of his face, a small, not-quite-human nose and mouth. He appeared to be two and a half to three feet tall, petite, beautiful in a weird way. I don't remember seeing any clothing, but I got the impression that he was not completely nude, and something was strapped across his body, a bow maybe. I wish I had reacted differently, but I was shocked and confused by this. After all, until now, it was a completely mundane weekday morning. I made that awful noise. He was startled. Those huge eyes blinked, just once, quickly and almost mechanically, as he gave his head a quick shake before he disappeared. He appeared solid, real, and didn't fade away. He turned and darted. I think I startled him when I reacted, 
and he was gone. This all happened in the space of about 10 to 15 seconds, and I have never seen him again. But for a moment, we looked directly at each other in shared curiosity. I pointed to the window and backed away. I sat, almost fell, onto the small couch behind me. My boyfriend asked again and again what was wrong. It took several minutes before I could find the words to say what I had seen. I still can't put a name to it. Him. Next time, I'll be less surprised. And maybe, just maybe, we can get a better look at each other. An Encounter with Monkey Man by Vikral Although people have called the happenings around the Monkey Man of 2001 a case of mass hysteria, I would like to disagree by telling the story of my true encounter with this beast. In 2001, I was living in the Siroy district of Rajasthan. I was in second standard. My cousin's sister's wedding was due in some days, and that particular day there was a little ceremony and only the household and a few neighbours were present. It was evening time, around 9pm, and I was busy playing hide-and-seek with my friends and cousins. We had rules in the game like we all used to have. No one would hide outside, nobody would go upstairs, etc. But because one of my friends had earlier broken a rule, I decided that I would break another and go and hide on the terrace, because if he can do it, why can't I? I never realised this was going to be a great mistake. Our house was a two-floor building. My uncle's family lived on the first floor, while we lived on the ground. Our neighbour's house was only one floor, so their terrace was adjacent to the balcony of our first floor, with only a broken iron railing separating the two. I had this spirit of never being caught, and I had to win, like most kids have. So I decided not just to hide upstairs, but to take it a step further and go and hide on our neighbour's terrace. I ran up, past the broken railing, and went to their terrace. I stood by the wall on our first floor, and took its support while trying to catch my breath. The first strange thing I noticed was that this place was surprisingly quiet compared to ours, which was just next door. An eerie silence and darkness prevailed there, and the only light coming was that from our terrace, which had a lamp. The house was empty as all our neighbours were present at mine. I was feeling great about how I'd win this game again, when I heard a cat purr, and then shriek. I watched in shock as a huge shadow formed in front of me. I turned my head up in fear, and that's when I saw it. A huge, human-like monkey figure with long nails, sitting in a crouched position like a predator does when it's about to attack. My brain signalled me in a microsecond that I had to run for my life, or I'll be dead. I ran as fast as I could, and the scariest part was that I heard loud thuds following me, drawing close, and I felt a breath on my neck before I finally jumped four steps at a time like a madman, hurting my legs in the process, and got downstairs. As soon as I came down, I was caught, but the game was completely out of my mind after what I saw. I couldn't speak anything to anyone. The next day, a guy named Babu Lal who lived right in front of my house, reported that a monkey-man-like creature was on his terrace as well. After hearing that, I told my family all about what happened to me, 
They believe me more so, as it was already confirmed by Babu Lal. So why do I believe it wasn't hallucination and real? Because I wasn't scared or tense or nervous when I was hiding that night. I was actually happy that no one would be able to catch me. I had never heard about Monkey Man, or that a creature like it existed before that incident. Babu confirmed it first, and it was only after him that I revealed my encounter. Two encounters around the same time, in the same locality, is no coincidence. I know the Monkey Man was mostly reported in Delhi, but the thing I saw was a very similar supernatural beast, because no animal has nails that long. And surely, no animal has a strikingly human-like face. Whatever it was, it could have been my death. The Dogman on the Porch by Far End of Spectrum When this took place, I was seven years old and in second grade. I live with my father, mother and my sister. My father is a teacher of a cadet college, a series of well-known semi-military residential schools in Bangladesh. Back when the incident took place, he worked in Jenadai Cadet College in southwestern Bangladesh. He was a lecturer there. Back when I lived there, Jenadai Cadet College was half engulfed into the Sundarbans. Sundarbans is the largest mangrove forest in the world. It's basically a salty swamp. Stories about the supernatural phenomena inside the Sundarban are widely known in our country. The house we were given by the Cadet College has a history. During the Liberation War of Bangladesh in 1971, Jenadai Cadet College was an active battlefield and Pakistani soldiers encampment. They had used some of the residential quarters available at the time to dump the bodies of the people they had massacred. Our house was one of those. They found 17 bodies in this house. Suspicious things would often happen. Every few weeks, there would be one or more nights where there would be banging and scraping on the doors every few minutes. Deep into the night, there would even be groaning and moaning sounds. My parents always disregarded them as the wind. I did too. But my sister would always get startled when it happened. My sister and I shared a room. My sister was admitted into another cadet college when she was twelve, so she went away, leaving me to sleep alone in the room. I was six then. One night when I was seven, my parents were out for an office party. I was doing my homework. It was summer, and due to a voltage shortage, the fans in the house were spinning really slowly, so it was hot inside. After finishing my homework, I came outside on the porch, turning the light on. Again, due to the shortage, the light was meagre. I walked around on the porch for a few moments, and remembered that I had left the fan in my room running. As I entered the house, leaving the front door open, I heard something that sounded like the rumble of distant thunder. I paid it little mind, as thunderstorms are quite common in the summer in Bangladesh. Thinking back on it, I should have. All the windows in the house were open, it took me about ten seconds to go to my room, turn off the fan, and come back. It was when I came back to the threshold of the front door, and let my eyes adjust to the meagre light outside and the darkness beyond, did I see the creature just at the edge of the porch. It stood bipedal like a human. If you told me to guess, I'd say it was seven to eight feet in height, 
Its body was covered in what looked like black fur. Its head was that of a dog. I couldn't tell you which breed, but one with a long face and pointy ears. It had yellow eyes. We stared at each other for a while. It bared its teeth a little and made that sound that I thought was distant thunder. I unfroze and immediately closed and bolted the door, went to the kitchen and turned up all the stoves. Then I grabbed a copy of the Quran that we had and hid in the cupboard. My parents had to bang on the door for 15 long minutes when they came back. The Mothman by Scarlet You will never believe what I saw one very cold, dry November night. My family and I had moved into a new house upon a hill on a little back road in the very small town of Fort Gay, West Virginia. Fort Gay sits right on the east side of Kentucky. The population of the town was probably just a couple of thousand. My family and I were unpacking. We had not yet put the furniture in its rightful place and everything was still in boxes. Overwhelmed with working all day, I retired about 11pm. I put my little brother on the couch and I took his bed, since mine wasn't put together yet. His room faces the front of the house. His window is around 20 to 25 feet or so off the ground. I was looking out the window when I saw it. It stood about 7 feet tall. I had no idea what it was, but I was frozen. I had never been that scared in all my life. All I could do was just lay there and stare at this thing. It was sitting in a tree about 50 feet or so off the ground about fifty feet from the house across the yard. It felt like an eternity. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't even blink. It had big, red, bright glowing eyes, looking dead into my face. I finally worked up enough courage to close my eyes and put my head under the covers, when all of a sudden, this thing smacked the window. I went through the house screaming, there's something outside, I was crying. My mum and dad looked at me and said, What's wrong with you? It looks like you've seen a ghost. My face was snow white. I said, I don't know what it was, but please, daddy, don't go outside. I begged and I begged. He came back in and said there was nothing out there. I kept screaming, Yes, there is. Yes, there is. When I explained to them what I saw and how I felt, they said I was crazy, but to this day, I will not go outside by myself, and even in the day, someone still has to watch me to my car. I have heard of some pretty crazy things going on upon that road, but I never expected to experience anything myself. My husband and I went to the theatres and watched the Mothman prophecies. I was reliving that night all over again. The way they described feeling and what they saw was remarkable. My husband looked over at me and said, Isn't that what you described to me when we first started dating? I couldn't say a word. After that moment, I knew what I saw. I believe in all my heart of hearts that I saw the Mothman. It's just a little weird. I only live about 80 miles south of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where that all took place 37 years ago. It was exactly 32 years to the month when I saw it.
The Montana Werewolf Incident by R.C. This event happened three years ago, during mid-July. I live in Montana, outside of a rural community with a population of about 2,000. During this time, I lived on a small, one-floor ranch home by myself. My nearest neighbour lived one mile away and was a farmer. I never had many strange encounters leading up to this, but the woods by my house always had an ominous feel to it. Soon after moving in, I realised why the previous owners left pretty quickly. I'd start to hear noises in the woods. These weren't just any noises, but what sounded like blood-curdling screams and growls. After some research, I learned that even something like a raccoon or bobcat can make these unnatural noises, and chalked it up to being that. But still, it just never felt right. It's hard to explain, but I never felt like this before, and it was just something about the woods around my house that made me uncomfortable, like I was always being watched. The first experience, I couldn't explain, happened about two weeks after I moved in. There was a thunderstorm, and the thunder was loud enough to keep me awake. The lightning was crazy, and would light up the whole surrounding area for a fraction of a second. As I was laying on the couch, and got up to get a glass and a drink at the sink, it was around 2am if I recall correctly. Above it, there's a small window that gives a view of my yard leading up to the tree line. When the next flash of lightning hit, I saw it. Admittedly, it wasn't a long view, but it gave me enough time to see whatever this thing was. It was near the tree line, just a few steps into my yard. At first, I thought it was a bear, but it wasn't. It was standing on two legs, with its face pointed toward the house. Its legs were like a dog's, and I could clearly make out the hocks. It was hard to tell the colour of the fur, but it was dark. Its upper body was massive, with a wide torso, and arms that could almost reach the ground from standing. The strangest thing about it is how the upper body seemed to dwarf the lower body. After standing there, frozen in shock, I waited for the next lightning strike, but when it happened, it wasn't there. It happened so quickly and was gone so quickly. After that, I brought a gun, and would sleep with it in arm's reach. My next encounter is what I consider the most frightening thing of my life. For several weeks, nothing worth noting happened. I don't get cable where I live, and one night I was watching something and my satellite kept acting up. I didn't like going outside at night, but this would be quick. I just had to move the antenna a bit. Nothing had happened for a few weeks, so I decided to just go out and do it. I grabbed my gun and flashlight and went out. The first thing I noticed was the eerie quietness that surrounded me. This time of year at night, the woods are active of all types of creatures. Just not tonight. Despite the fear I was developing, I made my way over to the satellite and began to adjust it. I heard a small snap of a stick, and turned quickly to my left, and shined the light towards the direction of the noise. What I saw will horrify me for the rest of my life. I was immediately met with red eyes. These eyes were the colour of blood, and they were evil. The head of this thing looked like a mutated German shepherd. I don't like to say it, but it looked like a werewolf.
a long snout and pointed ears. The fur was black and shaggy in places. I could see this creature's extremely developed musculature, and it dwarfed even the biggest humans on Earth. It was half in and half out of the woods, almost crouching, and it still came up to my head at six foot. Fully standing, this thing would have been eight foot, I estimated. I was about twenty foot from this thing. I didn't even consider my gun, which I brought to protect me. Chances are, in hindsight, the little two-two-three bullets would have just pissed this thing off before it tore me to shreds. I backed away slowly, never breaking eye contact with it. I gently picked up my gun, and my fight-or-flight reflexes kicked in. I chose flight. Maybe not the best option, but even if I stayed there, this thing would kill me. I ran the fastest I have ever in my life, and didn't turn back once. I have no idea if it was pursuing me. I got in the house, locked every door, window, covered the blinds, and sat with my back against the wall, cradling the gun the entire night. I didn't get a wink of sleep that night, and very few the following days. To make a long story short, I don't live there anymore. People often talk of Sasquatch as being harmonious with nature and living within the ecosystem. Sure, if you see one it might be scary, but it's probably more awe than anything. With this thing, it was totally different. It felt unnatural. It was sinister. It felt evil. It was stalking me, toying with me, and I believe it would have killed me. I have never seen or experienced this feeling again in my life. It's a memory I try to put past me, but I still get nightmares about it. I think until the day I die, I will always have that image burned into my memory. Weird White Crypto by Blue Belgian Beer This story happened to a dear friend of mine, when we were about middle school age, and to whom I'm still very close. I sincerely believe him, and to this day he recounts this story with exactly the same detail. This experience occurred in a trailer park called Wilshire Hills in Norwalk, IA. There are several sprawling cornfields that border this mobile home property. My friend Josh lived here at the time, and on this particular occasion, was hanging out with his friend James, whom I also know. On this night, my dear friend Josh and James were outside of Josh's next-door neighbour's mobile home, trying to get girls to come out and be mischievous with them. It was summertime, so the evening was warm and balmy. The skies were clear, and the moon, while not necessarily full, provided a lot of moonshine that illuminated the surrounding countryside with dim light. It should be noted that Josh's neighbour's place was located on the border of the mobile home property, right next to the sprawling cornfields. Without going into too much detail regarding the physical arrangement of objects within the story, the important facts are that this girl's bedroom was located at one end of the trailer and had two windows. Josh and James were each standing at one of the windows talking to the girl, trying to coax her to sneak out and come hang out with them. Josh was at a window that obstructed his view, while James was at a window that looked out onto the cornfields and open lawn. And by open lawn, 
I mean a sort of public playground area with a swing set and a slide and whatnot. They'd have plenty enough room to play a game of kickball or baseball. Okay, so finally to the good stuff. There they were, talking to this girl. Josh gets tired of trying to get her to sneak out, so decides to walk around the corner of the house to where James is standing to get him to leave with him. As he comes around the corner, he becomes paralysed with terror. He saw a humanoid creature, but it was sort of walking on all fours. It was completely naked and had its legs inverted at the knee joint, like how birds' legs are. It was walking near the border of the cornfields, literally seeming to mind its own business, as though the last thing it would encounter would be humans. Either way, as soon as Josh saw this creature, he said to James, James, do not turn around. And of course, because of the look on Josh's face, James had to turn around. I know I would have. From having Josh recount this story to me several times, it seems as though James turning around was enough motion to catch this creature's attention, because as soon as he did, the creature shot up so that it was standing upright on its legs, with its arms perched up similar to how squirrels look when they're on their hind legs. Then there was a brief exchange of, what the hell are you, looks between Josh, James and the creature. And during this brief moment, Josh was able to catch a much better glimpse of this thing. Its skin was chalk white, its body skinny, sinewy, lean and defined. On its two legs, it was between four and five foot tall. Its cranium looked slightly larger than humans did, and it had large, shiny, pure black, opaque eyes, and a small narrow mouth, and not so much a protruding nose but more like two slits in its face for nostrils. Its facial structure was sort of akin to what it would look like if a piece of latex was stretched over a human's face. Once this brief moment of bewilderment ended for both parties, the creature suddenly hunched back down on all fours and bolted fast. It ran away across the open lawn and into the cornfields, it spanned a distance of probably about 40 to 50 yards in four or five leaps. And that was the last they saw of it. The Tree Goblin by Owl Headdress This story happened when I was around six years old and was my first encounter with the paranormal in 1994. My father would take me to visit my uncle in Fort Kip on the Fort Peck Indian Reservation, at their father's house, a nothing town, which he lived outside of as a child. The place just gives off feelings of hopelessness and sorrow. Even just driving past it, I felt this when I was a child. The area of his homestead had no houses around it for miles, just trees and hills. They would drink coffee and talk for hours. On this occasion, I was playing in front of my uncle's deck and ramp. I remember just digging in the dirt, being a kid, and finding a silver dollar in the ground, when I had this sudden feeling I was being watched. I ignored it for a few moments, then I looked south. Not too far off, I'd say about 40 to 50 yards away, 
was a tree. The closest tree to the house, in fact. I could see the left side of the tree was completely vertical, right as rain, but the right side wasn't. I could see a figure peeking from around the tree. The thing is, it was the same colour as the bark of the dead tree. It looked one with it, never moving once. Its fingers were wrapped around the trunk. It had a long and pointed head, egg-shaped eyes, huge and hollow, and its mouth had a smile unlike anything I've yet to see. It was staring at me. Imagine the scariest part of the scariest movie you've ever seen. I couldn't move. It was complete paralysis. I must have been like that for a whole minute. Whatever it was, it knew I was aware of it. My first thought was, I wonder how fast it was. Then, something snapped. I ran as fast as my leg would take me up the stairs inside. My father and his brother were at the kitchen table. I told my dad, panicked, and told him to hurry quick. Come outside, there's something watching me. I grabbed his hand and led him to the spot I was at, and said, look. But when I pointed at the tree, I could see that it was a normal tree now. Both sides were vertical. I couldn't speak. I felt very silly for a moment, but I knew what I saw was real. All my dad said was, don't worry about it, don't think about it, it's okay, and led me inside. My father and I are Native American, and I guess we're blessed with gifts that we didn't want. As I grew older, he told me more and more about what he was able to see. He told me such outlandish things in such an honest way that I knew he couldn't be lying. Things he saw on the same land, I saw the goblin. The land he grew up on. The Elemental of Forest by Death Cypris It was only about a year ago in late September, early October, that an acquaintance and soon-to-be-good friend of mine began talking about the band shirt I was wearing that day. We conversed through class and carried on our conversation outside. Right as we were about to depart, my friend brought up what would seem to be a strange topic, and to anyone that was not familiar with the paranormal, it would indeed seem strange. He mentioned the woods behind his house, and the strange happenings at and around them. He mentioned noises sounding like an elephant's trumpet, screeches like those of a freight train, odd feelings like one is being watched, orbs, shadows, and much more. It sounded too good to be true, so I, not knowing my new friend that much yet, asked if he drank excessively or did drugs. He told me he didn't drink, and has never done drugs in his life. Upon further investigation of the site, and getting to know him a little better, both his assertions of his haunted woods and his drink-and-drug-free lifestyle were indeed true. But with the haunted woods, I got a little bit more than I would bargain for. We set a day that we could stop by and investigate the woods further together, and on that day, I was still apprehensive of all that he had told me was going on. When I arrived, the house was a small two-story, and kind of seemed old, like maybe back in the 1950s with shutters, and painted a faded blue against the ageing vinyl siding. The front yard had all sorts of Halloween decor, 
with the obligatory jack-o'-lantern, black cats, and stereotypical witches. It seemed sort of quaint in an eerie way. One could barely see the woods behind the house, except for one gigantic oak tree, the likes of which would dwarf any house short of a mansion. I entered the house, and we goofed off until darkness set in. I went downstairs for a drink and a smoke, and was informed the fridge with the drinks was in the garage, which was convenient enough for me, because the side door was strategically placed next to the fridge. I grabbed my drink, and stepped outside into a small chain-linked area surrounding the side door. The chain-link area was small, maybe five by five, and was contained in his already fenced yard. I believe it was something the previous owners had installed to deter thieves. Regardless, I was standing in the middle, and proceeded to light up. I took a few drags from the cigarette, and out of nowhere, I heard a tap-tap on the vinyl siding, coming from around the corner toward the back of the house. I dismissed this as nothing but the wind, or even his dogs, even though the tapping seemed to come from about my height, six foot two. I continued smoking, but then heard another tap-tap, this time a little closer to the edge of the house. Again, I dismissed this as the wind or an animal. I then heard another tap-tap, this time a little bit closer. I stopped smoking now, and my eyes fixed on the corner. I then heard a slap-slap coming from right around the corner. I immediately ran in to see where everyone was, to possibly catch my friend trying to play up his stories he had told earlier, only to find him sitting down upstairs on his computer. I told him the story, and he explained to me of the elemental spirit that wanders into his yard and plays tricks like that. Now, with this fresh in my mind, I had to know what else was out there. We went outside and around his house to the backwoods. As we got closer and closer to the forest edge, there was just a feeling of something staring back at you from the woods, and there was a strange force, akin to a this-is-a-bad-idea feeling, that surrounded the perimeter of the forest. I dared not go any further into the woods, and expressed my concern to my friend, where he proceeded to say we would definitely not go into the woods, and that it was dangerous at night. We both simply walked the perimeter, and suddenly something caught my mind's eye. I felt an odd sort of energy emanating from one of the trees. I told him something is different about that tree, and he told me that was where he saw the little dead girl he told me about in his stories. Another odd happening, but easily rationalised away, just like earlier with the tapping. I looked away from the tree, and focused down our path, where I noticed a pile of wood sitting at the end of the road past a fence. I got a very odd feeling from that area when I stared at it, like someone was standing there, looking back, as I stared into an inanimate pile of wood. This time, I kept the feeling to myself. We ventured around further, and came across a field with a low fog, and he explained to me how he believes the fog is how the forest breathes. Coming from my druidic background, I agreed wholeheartedly. He warned, though, that when the forest breathes, it can also be a warning to stay away, and he had noticed activity increases when there is fog present. After a chat about the fog, he told me the tale of the elemental, 
that rose from the ground and chased him and his friend back across the field. He told of the immense speed this shadow possessed. It literally cleared a football field in a matter of seconds by zigzagging back and forth and running on its knuckles. This could be an exaggeration in the story, but the detail it was told in gives me a different impression. Either way, I was about to find out what he meant. We came to the other side of the field, not by cutting across like he did in the story, but coming in from the other side. There was an ominous street light adjacent to a dirt road that led back and followed the edge of the field. As soon as we approached the dirt road, the street light went out. He told me that this light has a short and is known to do this frequently. I agreed with the rationalization and we continued down the path. The farther we pushed in, the more I felt the air getting dense and heavy. Then all of a sudden, I froze. I believe I hit the second barrier. The first I passed by when we entered the road. The first was the this-isn't-a-good-idea feeling barrier I spoke of before. The second barrier felt like an actual wall. I couldn't move. I called my friend over and told him that I wouldn't move another inch. He agreed to head back out with me. We reached the entrance again, and as soon as we neared the light, it went out. Again. The light came back on after a few seconds. I was facing the light with my back to the entrance, while my friend stood in front of me, while he talked about miscellaneous stuff, and I smoked. When from behind me, I heard a very loud pop. The only way I can describe it is either like a small item falling from a very large distance, like the top of a tree, and slamming into a bunch of twigs, or a large branch snapping. I figured it was the first, and asked, what kind of trees are these, thinking they were pine? He replied, magnolia. I slowly stuttered, magnolias don't flower in October, do they? And just then, my friend's eyes darted up. He looked at me with the most serious expression I have ever seen. He said, we have to leave. Now. I was now puzzled and frightened. What happened behind my back to scare him so badly? I wanted to know, but he refused to tell me. We slowly backed away from the entrance very calmly, and took a different route back to his house. On the way back, he told me what he saw. He said the branch snapping was the elemental kicking off to jump, and what he saw, and I wish I could have seen too, was the elemental jumping across the street from tree to tree to get a better view of us. Monster with Hammer by Sabu Chanan I don't really believe in supernatural stuff, but I had an experience when I was very young, and I've never been able to explain it. I was about four years old. My sister and I shared a bedroom. Every night I would wake up and hear what sounded like hammering coming from the other room. I didn't bother to tell anyone, because no one else could hear it, and I knew no one would believe me. I would be very frightened and go and ask to sleep with my mum and dad, whose bedroom was just a couple of doors down the hall. Even when we went on vacation and were staying in a beach house, I could hear the hammering, so it was like it was following me. 
It wasn't attached to the house. It was attached to me. It was terrifying, and as a frightened little girl, there was no way I would go out and investigate it. One night, when I heard it, I went into the hallway to make my way to my mum and dad's room, and as I put my hand on their doorknob, I looked back down the hall, in the general direction of the hammering noise. There was a huge, horned, faceless black and white monster standing there with a hammer. I screamed and collapsed. My mum came out and scooped me up, and then I was okay. The weirdest thing is, after that night, I never again heard the hammering. Another weird thing is that I found out later that my sister had also been hearing the noises and had also not said anything. She told me about this later in life, and I asked if she had heard me scream. She said yes, but at the time she figured the big bad wolf had gotten me. It must have been scary for her too. Nothing that dramatic has happened to me since, but I have heard footsteps in the hall when no one's there. When we got older, my sister and I had separate rooms at opposite ends of a shared hallway. It was just us upstairs, and I would periodically hear footsteps in the hallway, and when I asked my sister if she had heard them, she would irately deny it. The thing is, I know she heard them too, because one night when I was lying awake listening to them, my sister called my name, because she thought it was me wandering around the hallway. A Thing on a Bridge by Tom Coates I live in the rural town of Port Hedland, Western Australia, and this is what happened on a walk I had. It was a couple of weeks ago, on the 12th of August. I was walking alone at about 5.30 in the afternoon. I would normally have been walking my dog Charlie at this time, but she'd had an eye infection that kept her from sleeping and didn't seem up to the exercise. Port Hedland is a coastal town near the northern end of Australia, and is prone to heavy rain from cyclones. The annual torrents require an extensive system of ditches running through the town to drain water off the roads. There also tends to be a lot of empty land between blocks of houses, massively overgrown with weeds, that are only occasionally burned or trimmed away by the council. I was walking along a narrow concrete bridge, when I heard heavy breathing from the ditch below me. At first I thought it was a drunk. Then I remembered the time I was jogging through a park, and realised that I was running straight towards a large, feral-looking mongrel dog, who was poking out of the yellow scrub and bearing more and more teeth as I approached. We forget how close we are to nature. I hurried along the bridge and looked under it after retreating to a respectful distance. There was nothing there. More relaxed and curious now, I walked back onto the bridge to ponder the origin of the sound. It promptly resumed. This time, I boldly leaned over the railing and looked right under the bridge. Again, I saw nothing more suspicious than empty faded beer cans. I straightened up, and stinking hot breath blew into my ear. It was fear that I felt. Pure fear. Using some fancier word could only cheapen the experience. I fell back, facing the source of the breath. There was nothing I could see, but the heavy panting continued. 
and I was well familiar with that rotten flesh smell, unique to the breath of a dog on a bloody diet. Before I even realised I should be getting up, there was a sudden, invisible pressure on my chest. I expected pause, but I didn't quite feel them. Even now, I can't quite discern the shape of the force that held me, whether I was restrained by paws, claws, hands, or a flat slate. Vicious howling erupted in front of me. Thoughts of the dog filled my mind, until I couldn't even see where I really was. That killer mongrel peeking his nose out of the bush, coolly deciding how close he would allow me to come before he lunged. Unable to think straight, I imagined that this was what was supposed to have happened, that I had fluked my way out of some cosmic debt, and now the collector was knocking. Then, it was gone. I didn't move for some time. I wanted to go back there. It took me four days to get the nerve to actually do it, but I knew I wanted to go back. I thought about it for a while, and decided everything needed to be the same. I arrived at the bridge at 5.30 the next Wednesday, walked to the centre, and waited. After minutes of nothing, I realised what had drawn the thing to me. I began to picture the dog once more, remembered the lip pulling back, and the stained points behind. As nothing continued to happen, I realised what was different from the first time. The memory no longer scared me. I've thought about this, and realised a few things. The first time I crossed the bridge, something, not a ghost in usual terms, I have no reason to believe it was ever human, created the breathing sound that I was free to ignore or interpret however I wished. It was only after I returned to the bridge that the breath resembled a dog's. I think the thing offered me a chance to show it what I feared, and I did. I could think of two reasons why it acted as it did. Perhaps it wanted me to exercise my demons, so to speak, or in some way, it wanted my fear for its own reasons. We forget how close we are to nature, but maybe some part of nature needs us a little closer. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to like, share and subscribe to the channel, ensuring that you hit the notification bell as well. I shall be back in a few days with some brand new stories for a brand new year. So until next time, sleep tight.